are on the panel on RNZ National. We have Dr. Palmjeet Pamam, a businesswoman, and we have Alan McElroy, an MC and comedian. Now, just some news to hand. Officials uh, have this afternoon upgraded a rainfall warning to red for parts of Auckland, Coromandel and Northland from tomorrow. Now, a red warning means rain is expected to cause dangerous river conditions and significant flooding. Uh, Slips and floodwaters are likely to to disrupt travel, making some roads impassable and possibly isolating communities. So, uh, an upgrade to red. Also in news in the last uh, hour or so, Wayne Brown has asked authorities to consider advising schools and businesses to stay closed tomorrow um, and the Education Ministry has said that schools to stay off to remain shut for physical attendance until the 7th of February. Wayne Brown has also asked Minister Penny Hanare to prepare to bring in the army to help with uh, things like sandbagging if needed, and Wayne Brown said, effective immediately, Aucklanders could take their storm waste to their nearest waste transfer station at no cost. Council teams were also out removing storm waste where it was safe to do so, and more details of that big Auckland cleanup will be announced tomorrow at the 8 a.m. Briefing. Well, let's uh, check in now with communications meteorologist from Met Service, Lewis Ferris. Kia ora, Lewis. Kia ora. Hey, another day with more big weather on the way. I was just on speaking with you on Friday, and then we had all of that flooding yeah. on Friday afternoon, evening. And yes, there is further rain on the way for those recently affected areas, hence why we have upgraded a lot of those warnings up to those red right. warnings, just because we expect those impacts to be uh, just as impactful as they were. Okay, yeah, because we, we talked to you what exactly this time Friday, and we knew it was going to be a big rainfall event, but Lewis, that was really off the charts. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we saw an extreme rainfall event. We saw numbers that we haven't seen at our Auckland stations before. And that's not just a short record. We're talking back into the 1960s, uh, setting their wettest day record, but they've also surpassed uh, any of their wettest months. And there's a good chance that uh, Auckland station will surpass 400 millimetres of rain this January. Their previous record was very close to 300 millimetres. So we are talking about abnormal amounts of rain around Auckland. Mm. Um, uh, we, um, Wallace interviewed a person who has been affected by rain and lost his um, house. Um, he complained about not getting uh, an emergency um, alert on Friday. Do you know where this thing, uh, like, kind of didn't work? Well, we From had... the warning to getting uh, getting that warning sent to individuals? Yeah, I, I'm, I can't, I wouldn't know all the specifics around that, but we had an orange heavy rain warning enforced for Auckland that was issued on Thursday night, and then uh, that was again reissued on Friday morning, and then the red warning did go out at about 9pm on Friday. I don't know um, what alert they would have been looking for, whether it was something from their local council or something from civil defence, Um yeah, sorry, I can't speak too much about that. Is that, is that a case of, uh, say, the council not taking your alert seriously? Uh, why, you know, you, 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 you knew what was going to happen and uh, some people knew, but, uh, you know, like, we didn't get alerts, obviously, so no one, a lot of people didn't have a clue what was going to happen. So was it someone else's job to sort of spread that around? I think that's, that's a, a tricky one. Um, 
the, the weather that did happen and the, some of the observations that we saw at the stations was more rain than what we were forecasting. We It's going to be very difficult for a forecast to, to uh, predict an absolutely extreme record-breaking event like mm. that, and especially for the, the models to resolve that, especially when we have these situations with the very warm, humid air coming down from the north. We always knew that there was going to be heavy rain. That's what we were warning for, yeah. and the potential for downpours, but for those things to line up perfectly, terrible word to use, right. yeah. um, in the areas and see the rainfall rates that we saw uh, was kind of out of the forecast parameters that we're working with. Okay, yeah. So, Lewis, um, what can we expect then over the next uh, 24 hours? Explain that a little more for us. So overnight tonight, uh, the heavy rain is going to make its way into Northland first, and there is, again, going to be that potential of downpours mixed in with that persistent heavy rain. So this is the type of situation where we could see uh, places hit around that 40 millimetres of rain in an hour, um, and that's going to be on top of what might have already been soaking rain, and that's when we know that impacts come about very quickly, so there's that potential for flooding, road closures, it's also coming along with wind, so we could see stuff like power outages, uh, slips. Travel will be difficult uh, around a lot of Northland, Auckland uh, tomorrow because that rain starting in Northland does drift southwards into Auckland, and we've split Auckland. The northern part north of Oriwa is under a red warning. The southern part just under an orange warning as we don't expect the impacts to be as large. Um, that rain then continues to move southwards affecting places like the Coromandel which has been upgraded to a red warning as well um, as we're making our way into Wednesday. And that will actually give a chance for those more northern areas to dry out. But it is just going to be a relatively short chance with a bit further rain throughout the week, just less intense and less widespread. So they do really need to get through uh, the next couple of days because we do see a bit of end in sight come Waitangi weekend. Yeah, OK. Appreciate your time, Lewis. Kia ora. Thank you. That's Lewis Ferris from Metzava. So, yeah, that red warning now in place for Auckland, north of Ordewa, from 5pm tomorrow to 5am Wednesday, for Northland from 4am tomorrow to 4pm Wednesday, and for the Coromandel from midnight tomorrow night for 18 hours. Uh, an orange warning is in place for the rest of Auckland from 6pm tomorrow to 6am Wednesday and for Bay of Plenty from 6am Wednesday to 3am Thursday. Stay in touch with RNZ uh, across uh, tonight in the evening and we'll have you the very latest at, at all times on uh, this uh, radio station. 15 past four. Well, aside from those in their homes, businesses have been hit hard in the floods. The Iron Clad Pan Company, it's a small business, started trading in 2020. Taking the plunge, starting a small startup with an aim to create a sustainable product that um, that not many offer. In fact, it's the only cast iron cookware in Aotearoa. It's been their dream, but... As of Friday, it's all gone. With us is Levi Slavin from the Iron Clad Pan Company. Levi, welcome. Are you there, Levi? Levi. Can you hear me? Can you yes. Hear me? I'm, my apologies. Oh, pleasure. No, no worries, Levi. Okay, tell us what happened. Um, well, we had uh, um, floods um, at home at the house, and because it was all sort of um, such a, a mad rush to get everything sorted here, we kind of didn't really anticipate it getting the business. Um, and then we went in on Saturday morning and um, we had sort of approximately sort of five and a half feet 
of water, so everything was completely sort of submerged, uh, all stock, all computers, everything. Everything was sort of gone um, within the space of a few hours. It must have been uh, quite the moment. Uh, Here is a company that you have not long had. Uh, It's taken, I know I've read about you, it's taken a while for you to start up. You walk in and you see everything, including your computers and all your stock, um, unusable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a really interesting ride for us. I think everybody had that uh, sort of moment of clarity um, during covid when, when we were all sort of, I think a, a lot of our community took, uh, took note and began to sort of implement change themselves rather than sort of waiting for it. So we, we wanted to create a, a company that would be a sustainable hand-me-down product rather than um, something that you have to dispose of and replace every year. And then for our first kind of, just as we're getting rolling for kind of Mother Nature to take everything back again was, was pretty prophetic. It was a very very big moment in our development. Um, the, the challenge is we've got sort of this indestructible product, but we never anticipated, like, drain water yes. reaching the ceiling. Yeah, yes, that's right. So it's, been quite, it's been quite overwhelming. The irony, eh, because you're often sold on how tough those pans are. Exactly. But when it comes to drain water... Uh, yeah, nobody anticipated this. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I mean, Palmji, you can relate. I mean, you're a businesswoman. I mean, you're on a, you're on a different right. level, I guess, now uh, in terms of your business, but you can really feel for small business like this. I can see the stress, you know, um, uh, that you're going through at the moment. Um, I, um, uh, obviously, you know, the loss has happened, and now the next step for you is to build yourself up again. So have you looked at assess the building? Can you move out from there, or you have to stay in the same building? What are your thoughts around that? Have you spoken to, if you don't own the building, to the landlord to see how it can be future-proofed? Well, yeah, we. I mean, we're in sort of an un, uh, unusual situation where the um, warehouse um, was quite low, and so the the entire roller door ended up giving way to, mm. to the water. So it's not really something we can walk straight back into, or certainly not for for a while. So we're in we're in a position at the moment where we're just trying to figure out next steps. I mean, it's it's um, we've been teaching ourselves how to start a little company mm. anyway, and now it's um, one of those moments where I don't know what you do Monday morning after a flood. We just sort of started to find our way through it, I guess. Um, we've had a huge amount of support. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you you will do. Have a lot of people, you know, uh, getting on board and helping get some of your stock. Do you have to, like, start again as far as stock is concerned or have you got any left? Well, yeah, I, I guess that's that's the tricky thing. This is a, an indestructible product, but it's, you know, with drain water and um, flood yeah. water, we're never quite sure where it's where it's been all working oh, yeah. through. So we're, we're basically starting over. So wow. everything will be melted down and recycled, which is um, pretty is pretty heartbreaking when you're yeah. looking at mountains of iron that has to go back and be, you know, reformed. I guess one thing you do do, Levi, is you try, if you possibly can, to look for that silver lining. Someone actually asked, uh, does the um, guest use cloud computer applications? Um, uh because you picked up a bag of hard drives in that office, which was six feet underwater on Friday afternoon, with everything you've ever made on those hard drives. 
I did. It was such a strange thing to do as well. Like I, I um, it was it was raining, and so it was a really awkward thing to climb into the car with. But I grabbed probably twenty hard drives and um, and headed out the door. I don't really quite know. I took took them, but um, it's incredibly fortunate. I mean, that was that was our entire structure of the company on those hard drives. So if anybody's listening, I'd put everything in the cloud if you can. Mm. Good advice. Yeah. That's good advice, really isn't good it? Advice. That's actually great yep. advice. Yeah. Yep. Someone does say, does the caller use cloud computer applications? If he does, they are up and running ASAP. That's another bit of irony, a cloud helping now <laughs> as well, isn't it? I don't know what to say. <laughs> Okay, so someone says, um, how can I help? Gary says, I will pre-order and prepay a cast iron pan. So as you said, and as Oliver said, who lost his home, I guess his silver lining is his community coming um, to his aid. What of you? Well, it, that's a, it's an incredibly generous um, offer. I mean, any support is, is um, you know, very welcome. One, one of our customers... We sort of reached out to our little community, sort of asking for some support, and, and one of them put it into context. They had lost a hell of a lot more than we had. So um, it's, it's about supporting each other, I suppose, and just figuring out who needs the help the most and first. OK, so finally, Levi, you've been through COVID. You started trading in April of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what more? What more can we be hit <laughs> with? But you've got this. Uh, it's just the start. It's not the end of the ironclad pan company. No, I think it's probably um, a great a great lesson in um, uh, being, being nimble and the advantages, I suppose, of being relatively small um but we've definitely launched in some pretty extraordinary circumstances uh, one one of the things that i kept thinking of as we were rumbling through everything was a quote that i can't remember where it came from but uh, we're all tenants of planet earth subject to review without notice and i kept thinking about that as we were picking up everything thinking just how quickly it all can disappear and how much we do kind of owe it to ourselves and to the next generation to look after the environment. Levi, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you. That's Levi Slevin there from the Ironclad Pan Company. Uh, I mean, nonetheless, uh, a big challenge, but it's an obstacle and they will overcome it. And I quite liked his attitude towards it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing. Okay. Mm. 23 past four, you're on the panel. Uh, just some uh, news to cover off again, if you haven't heard, that Auckland principals do say the Education Ministry has directed all Auckland schools, ECE and tertiary institutions to remain shut for physical attendance until the 7th of Feb. Uh, Wayne Brown has asked Minister Penny Hanari to prepare to bring in the army to help with things like sandbagging if needed. Also, Aucklanders could take their storm waste to their nearest waste transfer station at no cost, effective immediately. And many getting in touch on uh, how you thought um, Wayne Brown handled this crisis. What do you think? We're going to be talking about leadership and crises later on in the programme. Do you think, uh, on retrospect, uh, it was 
uh, it was a hard thing to manage. Do you think he was underwhelming? What are your thoughts? You can text me on 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Now, the extraordinary flood event experienced on the night of Jan 27 was caused by rainfall. That was off the chart, literally over 24 hours. 249 millimetres of rain fell, well above the previous record of 161 uh, millimetres. And attention is turning to the way the super city has handled the massive volume of water and to that of climate adaptation for an urban environment. Wayne Brown said this afternoon he agrees that climate change is the reason for that extraordinary weather event on Friday. To discuss is Dr Julie Lawrence, Senior Research Fellow at the Climate Change Research Institute at Victoria University of Wellington. Dr Lawrence, kia ora. Kia ora. Seeing this unfold, Dr Lawrence, I mean, what did your thoughts turn to as you saw this massive weather event unfold? Well, heartbreak was the first reaction of any human yeah. Um, to this sort of event. However, disappointment, um, a number of emotions come to mind. But probably the most is that the writing has been on the wall uh, for a long time. And it seems that we need to see the heartbreak before we can take the actions that are necessary. Now, under COVID, we um, saw a huge issue that we needed to manage. And it was said at the time that climate change was COVID on steroids. And I think most people in Auckland would tend to agree after this weekend and what may be coming. But it's not just Auckland. Um, Throughout the country, these sorts of events can occur and will occur and will get worse. So the question is, what do we do? And... From the adaptation perspective, we can sort of throw our hands up and say, well, this is going to cost a lot. We're going to have to put bigger pipes in. We're going to have to do this, that and the other. Um, And it's all too big. But I think we need to pause the thought for a moment and think about the number of different things that can be done to reduce um, or improve permeability in our urban form is that things that would enable us to um, do cost-effective things um, which can store more water on okay. the site, things like that. Yeah. And, and, yeah, so I think we need to take a breath and look at how we can adaptively plan our future in our city. All right, let's go around the panel on this. They'll have a question or thought for you. Uh, let's start with you, uh, Palmjeet. Yeah, Dr. Lawrence, quite keen to get your view on, you know, um, if you go to some old towns and cities around the world, I mean, um, towns or cities that were built before industrialization when people didn't have three or four cars in each household, we can understand the roads being narrow. But I have seen so many places like new developments here in Auckland, where if somebody has parked just one car, there is no space for another, for example, a big emergency vehicle to go through. So um, it's very easy to say we need to get rid of cars and we will have apartments where they will not provide any car parking provisions so that people can be pushed to take up public transport. But this change is not going to happen overnight. So quite keen to get your view on the new developments that we are seeing around in Auckland with such narrow roads. 
Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm not here to talk about um, car parking or, or, or that side of it. Um, what I'm looking at here is is really the, the arrangements between our cities and our agencies and our developers who can use some of the innovative designs that can um, locate people close to public transport, for example. Right. Um, so that's, I understand. I'm not, a, I'm not an Aucklander, so I haven't okay. seen all these developments, but I'm aware that there are still um, areas being developed in coastal settings and in flood-prone settings. Now, that really isn't um, what we should be doing in 2023. Okay. So it was about actually access, not just about car parking, the issue that I raised. It's about access to emergency vehicles and oh, okay. things during, well, you're responding to emergencies. Let's jump over to Ellen as yeah. well. Yeah, Dr. Judy, car parking is a nightmare. No, I'll, no, money investment. Because uh, we've seen this over the last few years of other places around the country uh, getting lashed out of it. Absolutely Nelson. lashed out of it. Yeah, uh, and, and the west side where bridges Absolutely. are collapsed and, and, and that. So... Uh, yeah, and it's now it's it's in Auckland. We're like, oh, well, you know, it's in Auckland. Help us! But you you said there's uh, innovative, uh, you know, th- solutions uh, coming out. What what examples is there? Oh, there's many examples around the world of what they call sponge cities, where um, a greater um, capacity to absorb water um, in situ after it rains, or big areas of retention like under Rotterdam. Um, Tokyo has has this sort of um, uh, thing as well. Um, a number of the Asian cities um, in India have um, soft um, protections and so on. So the, the, the sequence really is to reduce our exposure to flooding in the first instance through planning, identifying where the flow paths are of the water and not building on them. Right, um, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So and building nature into the way in which we build our oh, yes. um, cities. Now, one example in Wellington, I'll just tell you about, in Aro, is that the um, the stormwater pipes are being opened up and they're becoming um, open space with more room for water to flow over land and to get out to the sea quicker. That's just one example. Porirua yeah. has similar in an old football um, field. Um, and so this is catching on in New Zealand. But as you're quite right that it will take time, but it really needs to start now. Oh, yeah. we'll come back to this. This is mm. so interesting. And I do know that um, GC um, uh, talked to Dr. Timothy Welch on that notion of uh, spongy cities. Can I address just one thing before you go, Dr. Lawrence? Now, we are talking about this significant, but I want to address it with regards to the political cycle Tonight there'll be a poll. The news will sh- focus back before it gets to rain again to politics. Do you think that we are taking climate change seriously enough? And by that I include the New Zealand media. Well, it's patchy. Not yet would be my initial answer, but it's patchy because there are some signs that this is moving with uh, many cities like Christchurch developing an adaptation plan to the city. Um, looking at the multiple hazards that they have down there, for example. Um, there are lots of examples around New Zealand. Dunedin City is the same, where they've done a coastal planning exercise. These are being done, and Auckland itself has done one, looking at council assets and the impacts of climate change. So, the, And there is a strategy. And so the groundwork has been done. The question is that the, all the parties need to get round the table and depoliticise this issue. It is not a political football, this issue. This is an issue that is going to affect everyone. 
and um, people need to get round the table and integrate all their actions together. Dr Judy Lawrence-Cura, appreciate your time. Uh, that is uh, Dr. Lawrence from the Climate Change Research Institute. This is not a political football. We need to put all our heads together on this particular issue, says uh, Judy Lawrence. You're on the panel on RNZ National.